Don't we all have days that we would say, now that was an important day? What are those days in your life? Like in my life, I think about um, a, a day back in 1979 when I was a seminary student and I walked into an optometrist's office and that optometrist ended up becoming my husband. That was an important day. That was an important day. I also think about the days that uh, my children were born. We adopted all three of them, and they were entrusted and given to us. And those three days, you know, December 12th and January 14th and June 3rd, all really important days. It was a really important day in October 24 years ago when I walked into the rooms of AA for the very first time and began to walk out that journey. That was an important day. But I'm telling you something, a, a week ago Monday was a really important day. Um, you all prayed for me that I would win March Madness staff competition again. Um, and I want you to know that a week ago Monday, I was presented with the Golden Shoe Award. Yes, I won the competition. That was an important day. I want you to know, I have won now two years uh, in a row, which they say one year is just luck, but two year, my friend, that is skill. That is skill. So those are important days, and there's lots others in my life, but I want you to listen to what Mark Twain says about important days. Maybe you've heard this quote. He says, the two most important days in your life are the day you're born and the day you understand why. Interesting. May 6th, the day I was born, that's coming up. But June 11th is the day I understood why. Because on June 11th, I understood for the very first time when I was 12 years old that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. And when I heard the message, I'd heard it with my head, but I felt it in my heart. And I opened my heart to Jesus, and he came in and became the leader of my life. The why. The two most important days of your life. Now, Mark Twain wrote those words, but I want you to know they are not original with Mark Twain. As a matter of fact, long before he was ever born or put a pen to a piece of paper, God declared this message to be true for us. The importance of your life, your existence, but the importance of why. Listen to what the Bible says in Colossians chapter one. It says, for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in him. In other words, the day you were born the day you got started, and finds its purpose in him, the day you understand why. Purpose, purpose. The Bible teaches that God has a purpose for your life. Do you know that? Do you believe that? I want us just so that it really sinks in just a little bit. We're going to say that together, first person. God has a purpose for my life, my life. Would you say that with me? God has a purpose for my life. And the Bible teaches that purpose is found in him. Now, guess what happens 
when you and I believe that truth and live in that truth, we stay positive. God has a purpose for our life. Do you believe it? Like gut level believe that God has a purpose for your life. Here's why that matters. You can live, I can live without a lot of things. We found that to be true through COVID, didn't we? Who knew I could live without a stockpile of toilet paper? But I did. Who knew I could live without going into restaurants and just doing drive-through? Who knew I could shop online and not just in person? We can live without a lot of things, but you, my friend, cannot live without purpose. Purpose. And maybe you're here today, and in a real way, you're struggling to believe that. In a real way, your life is lacking true meaning. Or maybe your life leaves you wondering, does my life really even matter at all? Or maybe you're completely on the other side of the spectrum. Your life is soaring and up to the right. And yet, even with all the success around you and the appearance of everything going good, inside, you really wonder, does my life really have meaning and purpose? The Bible answers that question so clearly, it says yes. Absolutely. I don't care who you are, what you've done, and where you're from. The Bible says to you, yes. Look what Proverbs 16, verse 4 says. The Lord has made everything for his own purposes. You were made for his own purposes. His own purposes. Not my purpose, not your purpose. His purpose. It reminds me of a knife I have in my house, a really good knife that isn't straight up. It's supposed to be, but it's straight up with a curve on the top because that knife was used by someone whose name I will not say right now for a flathead screwdriver. (laughs) And I, I started thinking, do we not understand? Knives are meant not to be used for flat head screwdrivers, but to slice tomatoes. That's the purpose. And then I started thinking about our lives and how much we're kind of like that. Can't we be that way? In our own lives, we're not being used for the real purpose. Some of us are living life tightening screwdrivers when we're meant to be slicing tomatoes. Just go with me. It made sense in my mind when I was writing it. So, so what's your purpose? Your purpose is for his glory. That's what the Bible teaches us. Romans 11 says, for everything comes from God alone and everything lives by his power and everything is for his glory. That's what you were made for, his glory. And what that means is you are made to reflect his character, his justice, his goodness, his mercy, his kindness, his love. And it's pretty amazing to me 
that he made the decision to use people like you and me to do that, that kind of makes me chuckle. But it gets me excited too. Because he says, I want to use you for my purpose, my glory, in your neighborhood, in your school, at your college, at your workplace, in your family, with your extended family, with that person sitting on the right of you right now, the person sitting on the left of you. I want to use you for my glory. You know that day I told you that I discovered the why when I gave my life to Christ? most important day in my life. Do you know what followed for me? A passion to love God and to live for God. It just, it, it was like a natural response. He just came into my life and I had this passion. I remember right after I gave my life to Christ, I got up out of this chair and I ran to find Pastor Warren, who was my pastor at the time. And I said, I gave my life to Christ. And then I went and found his daughter, who was my best friend, Jane Ann. I said, Jane Ann, you will not believe what just happened. Jesus came into my heart. It's amazing. I feel forgiven and alive. And Jane Ann gave her heart to Jesus that night too. I would sit in church, and I don't know for how many weeks. We went to a Southern Baptist church at that time. And at the end of the service, it always ended with, Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. You know that song? And when I would hear it for weeks, I remember as a 12-year-old, tears just streaming down my face because it was so the call, the passion of my life for him to have his own way. I'd want to run to the front. I remember sitting in a Sunday school class of a new church that we had to end up moving toward to, and, and the Sunday school teacher was talking about Jesus and what he did, and I raised my hand, and I said, Jesus changed my life. He came into my heart. He can forgive your sins. There was such a passion. But something happened. That passion started to go away. I'm really sad to say. But something happened to that passion little by little. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you're listening in. And you go, I remember that, how that felt, but I don't feel that now. That passion, it's, it's, it's gone away. Something about it has died out. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 11. It says, be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion towards him boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. Notice the verb there. What was it? Keeping your passion towards him boiling hot. Keeping, meaning keep the burner on. Keeping it. If I don't keep the burner on that pot, what happens? The boil stops. And when there's not a lot of passion, it seems for me anyway, it's harder to live my purpose. 
So how do we do that? How do you stay passionate if you have found for you that passion is gotten cold? It's not, it's not in the forefront. It's not available for you to tap into. How do you stay passionate about your purpose? Let's try to answer that question today. Here's number one. How do you stay passionate? You expect opposition. Expect opposition. Do you know what happened when I went home from church and told my father that I had become a Christian? I, I, remember, I remember it like it was yesterday. I went and I said, Dad, you're never going to believe what happened. I became a Christian with such passion. And his response, like parents do oftentimes to kids, was the wrong one. And he said to me, you're too young to be a Christian. And the flame went down. Do you know what happened in that Sunday school class? When I raised my hand and said, oh, that Jesus in that story, he changed my life. Do you know what the Sunday school teacher said to me? She said, stop talking. We don't talk about that here. And my passion took a hit. Where is your passion taking a hit? Where has your passion taken a hit? Maybe it's been from those around you, well-meaning people, a parent. Maybe your passion took a hit from a well-meaning spiritual person or from the church, and you've never been the same. Maybe your passion took a hit from within, from an illness, from injustice done to you, from where God, this is a big one, you all, our passion takes a hit oftentimes where God does not come through for us in the way we think he's supposed to come through for us. And the flame on the burner goes down. Meg, I was so touched, as we all were, by your story. Because I have watched, as many of us have, as you have fought your way week after week to this front row. Mostly because you've had to prop your foot up, but now it's home and you don't leave. Don't leave. We want you right there. You continued to trust God and you didn't give your passion away. Yeah. So Paul gives us this encouragement in 1 Corinthians 15. So dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. That's a good word, but expect opposition. Number two, you keep your passion in your purpose when you live your God-given shape. Now, we just got in our house a new Nordic track, and the reason we got that was 
is because John's in mind, God-given shape is not shaped like it used to be shaped. So we're kind of working on that. So that's one type of shape, but that's not the shape I'm talking about here. I'm talking about your God-given shape, which is the unique way that God has made you so that you can serve the body of Christ. Now, you may be familiar with this acrostic shape if you've read Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. It's from his book. And shape is an acrostic, and it simply stands for spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, and experiences. And if you go to lexcity.info under sermon notes today, there is a website there that can take you to a test that will tell you what your shape is. I took that before I recommended it. And here's what this all means. Your spiritual gift is a part of your shape. It's this special ability that when you give your life to Christ, he deposits in your life a gift to be used for the body of Christ. My two gifts were encouragement and teaching. I hope you find those to be true. But you will discover what your spiritual gift is. Then your heart, you look at your heart. You know, another word for heart in scripture is passion. You discover the purposes or desires that bring passion or joy in your life. So what do you like to do? That's important in the way God uses you. What, who do you like to help? What are the special group of people that you like to, to help? Or maybe what would you like to see be changed? It's, it's a passion for a cause. That will be your heart. A is your abilities or your natural talents, your abilities. Like people say, wow, you are really good at that. You're just naturally good at that. Like when you were in school, you were either naturally good at the sciences and math or you were maybe naturally good at art and, you know, history. Um, My last name is Music. I do not have natural ability in that area, even though I keep asking Josh to give me my big break. Your, your abilities, then your personality. Some of you are introverts, some of you are extroverts. You'll go through your personality and you may have the same spiritual gift of evangelism, but because of your personality, the way you express it matters. And if you try to be an extrovert and you're an introvert with that gift, you're not working according to your shape. The last thing is your experiences. God uses all of our life experience to shape us in how he wants to use us. Your work experience, he will use that. Your educational experience, maybe your ministry experience. My husband went to India years ago. That ministry experience, even though he's an optometrist, has shaped his his purpose in life. Or maybe it's the painful experiences, the things we've gone through. But all of that, as you discover your shape, then help you to passionately live out your purpose. I hope you'll discover that. Because number third, number three, you will stay passionate in your purpose when you understand, number three, that plans in life change. But our purpose stays the same. Your plans in life change. But your purpose, we just learned, for God's glory and his own purposes, never changes. I don't know how many of us, I took a poll. I bet lots of us who went to college or vocationally were trained in somewhere, started out in college and never ended up doing what we went to college for. Am I right? I actually had a plan when I went to college. I was going to be a nurse. 
The problem was my abilities, my natural things that I'm good at, uh, weren't bent towards sciences and math. So I never made it through medications, which is something if you're a nurse, like you, you want to get that right. What I loved about being a nurse, besides putting on these little white tights and a hat, which I had to do in nursing school, what I loved about being a nurse was being beside the bed, talking with the patient, praying over the patient, and God said, you know what? You got the plan all wrong. Your plan is to be a nurse. My plan is for you to be a pastor. Who knew? Who knew? And you know this verse from Jeremiah 29, 11. Maybe you have it tattooed on your arm or on a plaque in your house. God says, for I know the plans. Which you, I kind of, you could put a period right there. It goes on to say the plans are good to give you hope and a future. But do you understand? God says to you, I know the plans. I'm God. I know the plan. And the plan may be different than what you think the plan is. I know the plan. And I'm getting you to the plan, but you keep living my purpose regardless of the plan. And maybe you're in a season of waiting on the plan. Anybody? A season of waiting on the plan? Like your plan was to be pregnant by now, but you aren't. Your plan was to be married by now but you're not. Your plan was to still be married and you aren't. Your plan was to have a career, but you don't. Your plan was to be a nurse, but you aren't. Remember when the plan isn't clear, your purpose still is clear. Focus on the purpose, wait on the plan. Focus on the purpose, wait on the plan. Keep living your purpose. The plan will come. I, I'm coming out of one of those waiting series, seasons that I just mentioned. I say one because let me tell you something, friend. Young friend in the room, which is most of you. You will have tons of waiting seasons. It's a part of the plan. Something happens in the waiting. I'm coming out of one of those waiting seasons. I'm going to be 64, and I just said that on the World Wide Web, on May 6th. And I, I've been kind of asking God, okay, so what's your plan now, like in this new season? My mom um, actually passed away today, a year ago, and it's such an honor to be preaching today. Um, but I was looking at her life before she died and go, my goodness, you're 91. I'm, I'm, I have like 30 more years. I'm only like two-thirds done with my life. Pastor Zach now calls me two-thirds when I told him that story. It's my new nickname. But I started thinking, okay, God, what's your plan for this next third that I have left, and really what I was asking him, I was asking him this way, what's your retirement plan? You know what he said to me? He said, you're not called to a retirement plan, you're called to an obedience plan. You've got a purpose, and I'm calling you to it to the very end. My friend, 
You don't have a retirement plan here. God says you've got an obedience plan to the present moment that you live in. And for some of us, our passion has taken such a hit. We are not living our purpose. And God wants to ignite passion in your life today. God wants to call you back to the purpose. I don't care what you do in your life. I don't care if you're a student. I don't care if you're a stay-at-home mom, a single mom, a single dad. I don't care if you're in school, if you're waiting for what's next. He has a purpose for you, and that is wherever you are, with whomever you're with, it is to reflect his glory. The two most important days of your life The day you were born, check. And the day you discover why. Do you know why? Maybe for someone here today, that has not been resolved yet. The why is you were made for God's purpose. And the way that happens is you give your life to him. You acknowledge that your sin separates you from him. And he died on the cross so that he can come and make his home and ignite you with passion. The reason you don't have passion is because you don't have the personhood of Christ living in you. And you can do that today if you'll come right down front, right after service. Our prayer team is right here. They would love to pray with you to give your life to Christ. But some of us don't have passion because we have forgotten our purpose. And God wants to speak to you today to rekindle the fire of passion for him, his love for you that knows no end, his plans for you that are good to give you a hope and a promise. They are alive today for you. Will you not embrace that? Two great days. Let's live them to the fullest. Would you pray with me, please? Now, would you ask God, God, what are you saying to me today? You just pray that prayer silently in your heart. God, what are you saying to me today through this message? What do you want me to know? And what do you want me to do? You just listen. Jesus, thank you for speaking to us today. Thank you for the way you lived your life filled with passion. For the joy set before you, you endured the cross for us. Now, Jesus, I pray over my friends today. In the name and the authority of Jesus, where complacency has robbed my friends from the passion of loving, following, and making Jesus known, would you now come and instill in them a renewed spirit, a renewed joy, return to us the joy of our salvation, like the psalmist says, where unbelief, where hurt, where injustice 
has taken a hit to our passion. Holy Spirit, heal those spots and now send us forth as healers in the world. Thank you for your word and thank you for your truth and thank you for your love and thank you for your life. In Jesus' name, we pray together. And all God's people said, amen.